Maggie Hadley West has been internationally recognized as an activist, independent filmmaker, and public speaker. Her work is often considered to be controversial, provocative, radical, and irreverent. So why is she here to, with us today? What is she doing on a program about relationships and mental health? We'll find out in just a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. Maggie, welcome. Thank you, Pamela. Glad to be here. Uh, sounds to me like you're in your car. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Well, <laughs> that explains some of the noises we hear, and I'm delighted that you have theoretically pulled over so we can talk safely. Oh, I'm absolutely pulled over. This is a good thing. You have too much that's too important to say for you to put yourself in jeopardy. You you heard me ask the question a moment ago, what is someone with your history and social activism skills and experiences doing on a program about mental and relationship health? So I'm going to ask you, you today you're going to be talking to us about your experiences, but also about a documentary, uh, which is entitled Sick to Death. What of sick to death that makes it make sense for you to be on this kind of program? Well, you know, physical health and mental health are completely related one to the other. There's no separation. And if you are in a state of illness or um, depression relative to something that's going on with the thyroid, it would make perfect sense that that kind of um, condition would impact personal relationships, business relationships, you know, love relationships, romantic relationships, child relationships. It impacts everything, at least in my experience. Well, your experience has been a long journey to protect your physical health, which, as you said, had impacts on the emotional parts of your life. In, in the film, um, uh, Sick to Death, you start with the comment that you thought you had thyroid disease for 32 years before you were diagnosed. Did I hear correctly? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. As I was, as a small child, I was having all kinds of problems with my immune system. I got sick all the time. I think I was six years old when I was first told that I had scoliosis and any kind of bone deformation is usually a result of not having enough thyroid hormone in your bones and because you need thyroid hormone in every organ, every cell of your body, you know, all kinds of things can go wrong. So from a very early age, there were many, many indicators that something was not correct. The fact, actually, that I didn't get very tall. I'm only five foot three, barely. And that if my thyroid had been talking to my growth hormone when I was growing up, I would have been taller, I would have weighed less, I would have had more hair. There are all kinds of things that were, you know, that were evident to somebody if they had understood thyroid disease. What was it like for you as a little one, six years old, to be told that you had this illness that I'm sure you could barely pronounce? Scoliosis? Yeah. Well, you know, I, 
I was confused by it. I remember that. It seemed very strange. I didn't, I really didn't understand what it meant. I didn't really even understand that I had bones, you know, because I was so little. (laughs) But I, but I remember how often I was sick. And I was often sick with upper respiratory infections, you know, nine times out of 10, that was the illness that I got. And so as a child, I was constantly on antibiotics. And it wasn't until I was 53 and um, a doctor here in New Orleans showed me a book that's actually in my film and that's tables and of, you know, you, the bodily systems and the symptoms of thyroid disease. And I saw that one of the symptoms was a lack of resistance to upper respiratory infections. That absolutely floored me. So I know, I know now that there were many, many signs that I had thyroid disease, but I wasn't diagnosed until my thyroid became extremely overactive when I was 32, and I was on the verge of going into thyroid storm, where you can, um, your, your system starts running so quickly that you can have a heart attack or a stroke or die, basically. Well, you you talk about um, the prescription, if you will, that you received from one of your doctors at one point telling you to drink radioactive iodine to kill your overactive thyroid. Can you talk a little about that? Correct. Well, when my... So I believe that my thyroid was underactive my entire life. And then when I was 32 it suddenly swung into being hyperactive, overactive. And so uh, the doctor that I was working with at the time sent me to an endocrinologist, and the endocrinologist said, oh, you have Graves' disease, which is the autoimmune version of hyperthyroidism. Drink this radioactive iodine, and you'll be fine. And I was like, what? And he said, yes, drink this now. And I said, no. I need to figure out what's going on. And he was actually very angry, of course, that a young woman (laughs) would object to what he was telling me. But I ended up doing an enormous amount of research. This is pre-internet. And I couldn't find an alternative. And I couldn't find anybody that could help me with an alternative. And so I ended up drinking the radioactive iodine. And it basically... Um, kills your thyroid, and they told me that the radiation would localize just in my thyroid, which really doesn't even make sense. And I later learned that it also localizes in your ovaries, in your breasts, and it increases the risk of breast cancer for sure. So I did that. My thyroid died a little death, and then I was prescribed levothyroxine drugs, And I took those drugs for 20 years because they were, I was told it was a thyroid hormone my body needed, but I continued to be sick. And it wasn't for another 20 years that I learned that my thyroid was being undertreated and that it was not something else that was going on. And my thyroid was still, I was still having problems and the medication wasn't working. And it's the most commonly prescribed medication, unfortunately. You said at one point in Sick to Death that you you feel as though for most of your life you were hiding out, that you had a lot of shame. Why? Well, 
mainly because I look fine. You know, when you, mm. when you, if you see me, you would never think that I had any kind of health problems. And I am, my spirit is strong and fierce and fun and funny. And then I have this constant ongoing conflict with my body not being able to sustain me in the way that I would like it to. So, you know, it's one of those childhood things. I sort of just felt like it was my fault that I, that I couldn't get myself well, basically. And the, and, and, and also Pamela, I'm sorry, so sorry to interrupt, but I, I just wanted to say that this is very common with women too, by the way. And part of that is also a byproduct of male doctors telling me I was fine when I was absolutely not fine. I am glad you interrupted me because you said exactly <laughs> what I was going to ask you about. I mean, I, I, I would say, and I want to hear your response, that nowadays that women, people in general, are more encouraged to question uh, their uh, doctors, but at the time that you were going through this, saying no to a doctor was like saying no to God. Yes, absolutely. And all although things have changed somewhat, they've only changed within particular spheres because in traditional medicine, it's still not appropriate to question doctors. And Actually, you know, my, anyway, uh, actually, let me just say for any of the listeners out there, if they want more information about thyroid disease, there's an enormous amount on my website, which is sick2death.com. But this weekend, while my films were screening in New Orleans, I had two doctors in the audience um, at different screenings, and both of them were not happy with my film. And one of them even went so far as to say that, she didn't understand from the film that people were going years without being diagnosed. So I went 32 years without being diagnosed. People in the film went five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And there are a lot of people that are never diagnosed. Maggie, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to begin the conversation about your finally landing with Dr. Chuck and what that was like. Folks, don't go away. You're listening to Mind Talk. I'm having a conversation with Maggie Hadley-Lee, who is the creator of a really important documentary entitled Sick to Death. We'll be right back. Maggie, you talked about the two docs who were in the office viewing your film, and it sounds like they were traditional doctors. You found a doctor who was a traditional doctor but also had a holistic approach as well. Is that a fair description of Dr. Chuck? 
Well, he ha- yes, he had a um, a degree in medicine. He's an internist, but he was taught by his father, and his father had a traditional background as well, but realized that medicine was not actually improving in the United States. And so he began looking at all kinds of alternative therapies in the 1970s. He was a very radical person, and then he was influenced by a guy by the name of Dr. Broda Barnes. Maggie, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you because music came in. Um, So I'm going to go back and ask you the question again about Dr. Chuck. Okay, fine. All right. Maggie, in the uh, conversation that we were having just a moment ago, you talked about two doctors who I will assume were um, uh, traditional uh, medical doctors, but you found yourself with Dr. Chuck, who in fact was a medical doctor, but also had a holistic approach. Can you tell us a little bit about Dr. Chuck? Yes. Dr. Chuck had been trained by his father, and his father had a traditional medical background. He had enormous power in the state of Louisiana, and one of the things that he realized in his practice was that um, medicine was not moving forward, that they were, it was not being curative. And so he started looking towards alternative therapies because he actually wanted to cure people and he was actually listening to people. And he was very influenced by a guy by the name of Dr. Broda Barnes who was um, working basically from the 40s to the 80s. And Broda Barnes was the foremost expert on thyroid disease at the time and he understood then that thyroid disease was at epidemic proportions and was only going to get worse. And so Broda Barnes, Dr. Mary, all that information filtered down to Chuck, which I had no idea about when I walked into his office. And it was just a godsend that finally I was in a place with somebody that really did understand thyroid disease because I was about to give up. Now... I'm not going to um, ask you to go through all the details that are in Sick to Death in terms of your experiences with Dr. Chuck, but I am going to ask you uh, to talk about some of the things that you learned as you were now on this journey finding out what was really going on with you. For example, you you indicate that 90% of Lyme patients are also dealing with thyroid issues, which is an extraordinary statistic. What else did you learn? Well, I learned all kinds of physical symptoms that are very obvious when it comes to thyroid disease, like having thin hair, um, being overweight but eating healthily, um, having you know very little hair grow in the outer part of the eyebrows, having something called shortened fifth digit where you're fifth finger doesn't come up to the crease in your fourth finger, which is a clear physical sign. And then I learned all about the other symptoms of thyroid disease. And there were the the classic ones, which were cold hands, cold feet, slow metabolism. Brain fog is probably the most egregious symptom that people um, deal with. Gluten intolerance, um, heart palpitations. But I would say fundamentally, the most important thing that I realized in the process of making sick to death was that there are all 
of these other illnesses that are related to thyroid disease and or that thyroid disease is the precursor to. And it's a very, it's a very kind of a fundamental thing. If your body is not in a state of health, then ill health will continue. So things like heart disease, diabetes, fibromyalgia, cancer are all related to having low thyroid. And Lyme, of course, too, because if you have, if you have an infectious disease, it will also impact the function of your thyroid. And, and medicine, there's all kinds of medicine that impacts the function of the thyroid, and, you know, food, food is a big um, culprit in people suffering with thyroid disease, as well as genetics, actually. So there was so much that you learned from Dr. Chuck. It changed your life, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. It gave me a real handle on what was going on in my own body. But even more importantly, it allowed me to do what doctors can't do. So I can literally diagnose a, pro- uh, a person with thyroid disease, you know, really easily. And doctors often say, oh, there's so many symptoms, it's so complicated to figure it out. It's actually really, really simple. It's just connecting the dots. But some of the dots are so apparent. You cite a statistic um yet another one um, that is really quite disturbing. You discuss the fact that preventable medical errors result in approximately 1,000 people dying per day. Correct. So I have to ask you, in, in creating Sick to Death, were you setting out to scare people? No, I wasn't. What I was there are a lot of statistics in the film and what I was treating the statistics in two ways. One is if they were a character and two, to clarify to the viewers what is happening systemically because I was not aware of it. And I think that most people understand that the pharmaceuticals and that health insurance is, you know, um, a negative influence on our lives. But I think a lot of people don't really understand the breadth of it. And that is what I was trying to um, illuminate. The fact that people find, many people find that insurance companies and all of that is, is sort of... Uh, an unpleasant thing in their lives, but there are certainly those who would say there have to be some controls uh, with insurance companies and doctors. I mean, medical costs are going through the roof. We can't sustain it. We can't afford it. What do you say to those folks? I'm sorry. I say that's a bunch of BS. The, The schools are sponsored. The medical schools are sponsored by the pharmaceuticals. The medical governing bodies that are nonprofits that are supposed to be on the side of the patient are sponsored by the pharmaceuticals and the device industry. There is enormous amount of um, conflict of interest in every single thing we do. In terms of the insurance companies, you know, the insurance companies aren't trying to help us. 
they are dealing with their shareholders. You know, big money is a, is a big problem because it influences everything and it eradicates the possibility of, you know, new ideas being introduced to the system that are actually helpful. It puts an enormous amount of um, pressure on alternative doctors and alternative medicine as if it's crazy, you know. And the reality is, you know, medicine, you know, pills and shots, have their place, but they are absolutely not the only way to create health. So the fact that they impact, you know, the um, everybody's health is just wrong. As you're saying that, I think about um, those pills that cost $700 a pill, $1,000 a pill, and it's pretty mind-boggling. Um, that one pill could cost so much, and even with it costing so much, it costs a lot in terms of your body because all of these things have side effects. Absolutely. And it's actually, in my opinion, Pamela, it's criminal. It's absolutely criminal to do that because the what's happening with our medical system is there are a lot of very, very sick people. And it's a combination of our healthcare system, our food, our environment. And they are, we are not being supported. So we're actually ultimately killing ourselves. And the thing that always, you know, astounds me is that the, that the people that are on the other side of this conversation, the people that are making a lot of money, the people that are exploiting the population, not only of the United States, but of the world, they are also hurting themselves because they're a part of the system. Absolutely. You know, they are a part of this system that is, that will, it undermines everyone ultimately. And just to give you a very, very simple example. Maggie, let me interrupt the, because we need to take a break, but sure. on the other side, I want you to give us the example. Folks, this is Pamela Brewer. You're listening to Mind Talk. We'll be right back. Maggie, you were going to give us an example. Yes. So if somebody is sick enough that they are lucky enough to be diagnosed with thyroid disease, 90% of the time they are prescribed levothyroxine drugs. So Synthroid is the brand name, and then there's levothyroxine and levothyroxine drugs that have um, many other names. But those drugs typically undertreat anybody that has the autoimmune version of thyroid disease. Ninety percent of people have the autoimmune version of thyroid disease. So Synthroid and Levothyroxine own the business of thyroid disease. Typically, if somebody has the autoimmune version, they cannot produce T3, which is the active hormone that you need in your body. Levothyroxine is made of synthetic T4. 
so our body cannot convert it. This is not new information. This is known information, and it becomes irrelevant. For the 10% of the population, it's fine. For 90% of the population, it's not fine. Those pharmaceutical companies are waging a war against natural desiccated thyroid and cytomel, which is a synthetic T3. So, it, like, for instance, in my case, I'm taking natural desiccated thyroid, which is made out of pig thyroid, which is much more natural and much more kindred to um, the human body. It feels way better in my body. And, but there's not quite enough T3 in it, so I take a T3 supplementation. In the UK, T3 is no longer available. They have managed to squash it completely. So if you don't have enough T3 in your body, it's very hard to get along. And you are still susceptible to all of these other ailments. So, in fact, what you're saying is that we're being... I don't want to sound over dramatic, but it sounds like you're saying we're being killed by the people who are supposed to cure us. Yes, we are. We are being we are being slowly murdered, and we are being undertreated, and we are being um, undervalued. And it's one of the things that I say in Sick to Death is that we are in a medical holocaust, and I absolutely believe that. What did you hope, what do you want to achieve with Sick to Death? Well, first and foremost, I want, when, I, when people see the film um, and all the information about everything is at sick2death.com, I want them to understand that although this story is primarily about thyroid disease, Thyroid disease is just a metaphor for other illnesses. The impact of the pharmaceuticals, the device industry, and the health insurance industry is gigantic. It covers every illness. So I, I want people to understand where we are and then figure out how to help themselves and then what actions can we take to fight the, the bohemus. I have to tell you, uh, Maggie, that as I watched Sick to Death, I actually watched it more than once because the the information on, on some levels is so astounding that I wanted to go back and make sure I'd heard it correctly. Uh, let us have that website once more before we have to let you go. It's sick, the number two, death.com, and I created the website as a resource. So it's not just a way to get the film or watch the trailer. There's so much information there because I, I was trying to help people like myself. I would have given anything for that information when I was in my 20s. So I want other people to have the possibility of living a better life despite the systemic problem. Maggie Hadley West creator of many uh, documentaries, today's conversation about sicktodeath.com. Thank you very much for joining us today, Maggie, and for sharing your story. Thank you, Pamela. 
And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service, and it is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a mental health, medical health, or other professional. You can always listen to Mind Talk on demand by going to mindtalk.org. If you would like to email me, that email address is Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at mindtalk.org. Again, that's M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. I'd love to hear your questions or comments. And you remember always, if it's unacceptable, then it's unacceptable. Take care. Thank you.